Jazz Experience, Season 2. Let's go! Thanks for joining us for Season 2. Join the conversation with Nat, Dez, and friends as they share how to transform culture through family. Hey guys, welcome to the Matt and Des Experience. I'm your co-host Matt Gonzalez. And I'm your other co-host, Desiree Gonzalez. Hey, we are so excited. This is actually our second to last episode for season two. And uh, this has been an amazing season. Oh boy. It's been so much fun. We've had so many amazing friends on. It's just been, it's been a blast. And we just want to thank you for actually listening to these episodes, sharing them with your friends and family members. We've gotten some great feedback from you guys, um, not only just season one, but also season two. And we are so grateful to go on this journey with you guys. And we can't wait for season three. We've got some things in the works. We have some special guests and it is going to be amazing, babe. We are super excited. Be on the lookout for season three. We're going to be dropping season three, the beginning of 2021. Yes, we look forward to that. And today we actually want to just have a conversation. As you guys know, one of our core values for doing this podcast is that we truly believe that one conversation can change a narrative and that this is a time where we can have conversations because in a conversation, you can disagree. Right. There could be disagreement in a conversation, but because we're having a conversation, we honor one another to hear from one another, right? And so right now we've been, we want to give you guys insight into a conversation me and Des have been having, but experiencing as we've been traveling this nation, because there's some couple things that are happening both in the marketplace and in the church mountain is that there's this great transition happening from uh, fathers, mothers, sons, and daughters, fathers and mothers now being promoted to grandfathers and, and grandmothers, and now sons and daughters being promote, promoted to becoming fathers and mothers in the kingdom. And so there is this thing that is taking place and it's happening. It's so beautiful, but it's scary. And from what we've been hearing and seeing, it's also that some people are doing it right. Some it's just getting ugly and it's causing a generational divide. So we just wanted to kind of begin to let you in on a conversation that we've been having. Yeah, because I think that, you know, and everyone you sit down with, with either side of, of this uh, transition, you know, I think most people really want to do it well. Yeah. They really want to see this transition happen uh, smoothly, successfully, and with honor. I really do believe in most people's hearts that is their desire. But we've also heard so many stories, so many situations of even people we know personally that they're having a hard time. Yeah. They're having a hard time in this this place of transition and i know we're all in in different transitions in our life and um you know we've all gone through various transitions throughout our life and we've talked a lot about that recently um but it does feel in this hour it feels very different it feels very um heavy even yes. and not not in a negative way but it feels like we feel the weight of decisions yeah. that we're making right now that are going to affect the next 10, 20, 30, 50 years, you know, and so that we don't take that lightly as, um, you know, we feel like we are in that, that, you know, place of sons and daughters yeah. becoming the fathers and mothers, even though, you know, we, we feel like we are fathers and mothers, but you know, in the kingdom in different spheres that, that we're putting our hand to that there is a shift going on even in our personal lives. And so, it's it's very interesting and it's a huge topic, but we'd love to talk a little bit more about it. Yeah, because you actually see it. It's happening in our nation. You see it in politics. You see it 
you know, in social media, there's just, there's a great divide. And I will say it this way, there will always be a divide unless there is someone willing to be a bridge. And that's what's really happening right now. You could feel the pressure of a divide, uh, dividing in politics. We even see this racial issue. We see even in the church with the pandemic, you have some people who are saying, hey, let's just meet together. Who cares about, you know, COVID-19? And you have other people who have some fear and like, hey, I, I don't want to be. I want to take care of my health. And you just keep seeing this great divide. But, you know, I, I think of people like Martin Luther King Jr., right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that so sticks out about his life to me is that he was a voice who was a bridge, right? He wasn't an echo. He didn't echo what everybody was saying in his day. He became a clear voice, but part of becoming a clear voice as you look at his life message is that he was bridging the gap. And this is really what is needed right now. We need individuals that can bridge the gap between grandfathers and grandmothers and, and sons and daughters, Right. And that's those fathers and mothers that God is raising up right now that I believe are a a bridge. You even see it in scripture. You know, God says he is the God of Jacob, Isaac and Abraham. And so you see this and you see this multi-generational thing. I was reading an article the other day, babe, and it just struck me so hard, especially about the upcoming generation. Uh, we did an uh, episode on it with uh, Drake on Generation Z and then also uh, the generation after that. You know, they are the first generation in the world that's a global generation. Mm-hmm. And they're also the generation that's been born into technology and internet, like me, we we're just talking Crazy. about this morning, right? Yep. yep. Me and you, our generation is probably the last generation on the face of the earth that can remember having a time where we didn't have internet. Right. Even our, through our teenage years into adulthood, it was, we didn't even have it. No. It's crazy. But now, I mean, just thinking about our kids, all they know is internet, YouTube, right? Netflix. I mean, some of these things. Yeah, it's crazy. We were, I was joking with your brother yesterday because we were talking about pagers and how that was like such a the cool <laughs> oh thing my word. When, when we were in high school and like how far we have come, you know, it's just crazy to think of how technology has, has been growing so yeah. fast. But we got to give our, our, our generation some credit because we made words out of numbers <laughs> to send messages on a pager. Remember, uh-huh. remember one, four, three and, and like, and like all these, we, 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 we took numbers and it was fun. Don't even get me started on pay phones. Like oh my remember word. we had to make pit stops every 10 minutes to call people. I mean, crazy. I thought about this. We were going through some old stuff that we had kept over the years when we were moving uh, here to Vacaville. And I remember finding my old Walkman and I remember the kids saying, what's that? <laughs> And I'm like, oh man, how do I explain this? Like, I mean, that just tells you the generational divide. Because I remember, oh man, Walkmans. Oh, <laughs> oh man, those are so amazing. Some of the listeners listening right now be like, what was a Walkman? <laughs> <laughs> but seeing that there is a generational divide because we have a generation that has access to social media, the internet, and what it's created in their generation is now the ability to publish their thoughts, ideas, dreams in real time. Mm-hmm. And if you think about this, what's happening, and, and, and I, I like to speak to this because I feel like there's a, where the divide is, is that you have a generation that I would say our generation and above us, right? We created, because of, uh, of the systems and structure that we had, a real consumer 
you know, generation yep. that we see even in marketplace, but you also see it in the church. Mm-hmm. And so it's a consumer generation. But now with the access of social media and internet, everybody now, right, has the access to have what I would consider like, hey, you know, Facebook, Zoom, uh, all these uh, live um, video platforms. I see the, those as pulpits. Mm. You know, everybody has a pulpit now where we used to go to church, you know, pastor would have a pulpit you would, you would hear, but now the ability to have digital pulpits where your message gets out quicker, where, you know, growing up in church, you know, we would have conferences. People would come from all over places and we still have them, but that's how you got your message out, right? Nowadays, if you have a dream, if you have a concept, if you have an idea, you can just jump on your cell phone and automatically get it out there and it can go viral. Mm-hmm. I mean, even look at the guy, uh, I believe it's Dogface408, uh, oh, yeah. uh, the guy who just came out and, and I mean, he's, I mean, it's viral. Here, here's this, this guy who looks somewhat like a cholo, like a gangster, <laughs> right? And he is actually, I mean, this blew me away, babe. He actually helped this song, right? Yeah go to a top level once again. And this song's like, I mean, years. I mean, think about Fleetwood Mac. This song, Dreams, right? It was actually written and published in 1977. And now it's coming back on the hit because of one video. This guy had the idea, right? Riding a skateboard, drinking ocean. uh, What's that? Was it ocean? uh, Ocean spray, right? Ocean spray, cranberry juice. Which not only that, he helped them. I mean, it, it got... So many views in like seven hours, it went viral, but that just shows you the times we're living in. Like back when we didn't have internet to go viral, it was going to look different because it was in a public sense from a church pulpit. So, you know, it would be word of mouth, right? Now we got technology at our fingertips and we have digital pulpits. We have digital places where people can get the message out. So I say all that because we have a generation that are publishers. They're not consumers, Mm. right? And if you build a whole culture, right? If you build a whole church culture, and just talk, let's talk about the church mountain. You build a whole church culture that's built on consumerism and you have a generation that is saying, Hey, I don't want to be a consumer. I want to publish. I want people to hear my voice. I have a message. I have some things I want to say. I want to take action. I think that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. But what happens, we, the church, always seem to be a step late. Like I see, you know, I was just reading this article and and I'm even discovering that, you know, public school systems, businesses, even major news outlets understand the generational divide gap. And so they're actually uh, providing a space for this previous generation to become publishers, but we, the church, are still trying to catch up because we build a consumerism culture. And I don't mean to just, you know, point out a problem, right? We want to bring solutions, but sometimes you can't bring a solution unless you first understand the problem, right? An answer is always a greater reality than the problem. So we are wanting to have this conversation today because we do see this great divide between the old and the new, what needs to take place and what needs to happen You don't throw out the old for the new. You need both. But how do we see the old and the new come together to create something so beautiful, to create a masterpiece that the world gets to see? 
Yeah, everything you're saying, it's it's so good. I think, you know, going back to, you were talking about being a bridge and yeah. you you're mentioning honor. And nice. I feel like you really can't be a bridge unless you have honor, right? Yep, 100%. And, but I, I feel like at the same time, we've talked to so many people and I feel like most people agree on that point. That's not <laughs> something that, no, I don't agree that you shouldn't have honor. Yeah. I feel like most people really want to honor the ones that have come before them and the ones that are coming up, you know, behind them, if you will. But the thing is, is not everyone is is doing it yeah. very well. And so uh, it leads me to the question of what what does honor even look like? Because if you sat down with any given person, they're going to, most people really believe they, in their heart, they are honoring. Yeah. But then you see all this conflict, you see all these disputes, you see all this division and divides and even cutting off and, and separation and, and not the fruit of peace, not the fruit of um, reconciliation, not the fruit of what honor should be producing. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a huge topic, but I would, I would love to dive into what does that even look like? I know when we were doing campus ministry for, you know, over 12 years, we got to experience this at, at, <laughs> at a lot of levels because we saw probably two different generations coming through yep. because, you know, that there was probably three different sets of students that would go through college and they were done. And then here's the next group. And then here's the next group. Yeah. But we saw a very distinct switch at, at one point. And it, it really has to do with what you're talking about, this new digital age. And, you know, it lines up really where our society has, has been the last couple hundred years. You know, we, we see it starting in the 1700s going into the Eight, around 1840, then industrial revolution. Yeah. And then, you know, that kind of segued into the age of science and mass production. Yep. And then came kind of following that was a digital revolution. And right now, I mean, I was just reading an article on this is that we're now in the extended version of that, the digital revolution. And now we're we're building upon that and it's not slowing down. It's probably only going to speed up. And there's probably a lot of things in that that can uh, not be a positive thing, but this is where we have to come in and really begin to, like you said, be that bridge and that father and mother to to the the generation that that is all they know coming up behind us. But in that, being a bridge, if you know we're pouring in and fathering and mothering that generation and being leaders and and you know and they're learning from us and we're learning from them as well. But also to be a bridge, you really have to honor and learn from those that have come before us. And so, what does that look like practically? I really want to know that. And obviously, we don't have all the answers. Really, don't. We're not saying that we're we're the experts and we have arrived in this area. No, we're on journey in this right now. You know, we are on this journey of discovery. And mm -hmm. I think the first thing a leader can do right now is you have to have an awareness. And what does that look like practically? Okay. Do you have multi-generational reach right now? When you look in the marketplace at your reach or when you look on the church mountain under your influence in your church culture, I'm not just talking about having a youth group. I'm talking about the impact on multi-generations. Do you have generations gathering together or do you just have your generation and then there's a huge divide? Yeah, that's really good. And I think even to go a step further, we're not really giving steps, but I think yeah. awareness is super good. And, and that is, if you will, probably the first step. But coming directly after that, in my opinion, 
would be, okay, let's say you do have multi-generations in your congregation, right? Or even on your staff. Okay, great. First step. But my next question would be, who are the decision makers? Yeah. And if that only reflects one generation, they're in, that's that's an issue. So good. Because even if you have people in different generations on your staff, but they have no power or authority to see anything reflected in, in, in who they are in their generation, how are we going to change anything from generation to generation? Well, if you think about these media companies, these moguls, right? These big old media companies, what are they doing? Most of them are ran by an older generation. But what they're doing right is that they're going to the younger generation, interviewing them, saying, what are you looking for? Right? And I think what happens, our awareness, because we don't have awareness, we're blinded. We only think about our generation or the generation above us. We don't build multi-generationally because we're not inviting a generation into a conversation to see where they're at. I think about, you said it earlier, I think about our campus ministry time. One of the reasons why we had to become a bridge and pivot was that the things we started doing that were, that were getting traction, momentum, and were drawing people to our group stopped working halfway through our journey. Mm-hmm. And we were like, okay, we're doing everything God spoke to us to do, but why aren't we having the same impact, influence, and why aren't we inspiring? Because the generation change. What worked for the previous generation didn't work together. And if we didn't become aware of that and we didn't pivot, what we would do is that we would keep the same group that only knew what we had and we, would, we wouldn't grow. We would just be the same group and we wouldn't have impact we would just become your normal everyday, you know, we, there'd be no, I mean, evangelism wasn't working. Yeah. We had discipleship, but evangelism was working. And so what, what was happening, and I'm seeing this right now, is that we're not advancing. We would not advance unless we were willing to pivot and say, okay, what's it going to take? And the only way we learned what it was going to take was we actually started hanging out with that generation, finding out okay, what are their needs? What are the desires? How can I take the gospel message and meet this need? Because the past current generation, their needs different. And so we had to learn how to pivot. Yeah. And I think that's where we really started to discover what team ministry looked like. I think for, you know, some years we, we were, we were new, we were learning. And so we kind of just did everything and, you know, you step in and you just (laughs) go for it. And, you know, and if people, you know, join you, then awesome. But it, it, this was a huge eye opener kind of moment for us in our, in our years of college ministry was when we weren't seeing the same impact, like you were saying, but if we weren't willing to pivot, I don't, I don't think we would have, you know, we probably would have been done with it. But I think that's huge. I love that that term because we all have to be willing to do that at any given time. Yeah. Like if we're so locked into a certain, you know, structure or the yeah. way things like the, what we would always say is that, you know, we're never going to compromise the vision and what God's told us to do. We're yeah. not going to compromise that, but we are going to customize how it's done and yes. the vehicle. And so it, some people are so locked into the vehicle and how they're delivering the message or delivering the discipleship or delivering whatever they're doing, even in the marketplace, that they feel like they're actually going to be disobedient if they change anything. And I, I don't, th- I don't think that's it. That's so true. I think you just hit it though. We think that 
if we change the structure, we're compromising. Rather, I think this is really how I, I, I'm beginning to see this, even the generational gap, is that our values and our vision doesn't necessarily have to change, but we have to customize our structure. Right. I mean, this is what we did in the school, in, the, in our school ministry. After the campus ministry, we did school. And one of the things, our foundation value was that the wine, his presence doesn't change, but the structure in which we host the presence has to change. And we were willing to be flexible, right? And I think that's what's happening right now is that we have to pivot to be flexible to carry, you know, like structures get, we outgrow structures, Right. And we have to be willing to change our structure. People don't like change, right? They don't like change, so we don't want to change the structure because we think it's compromising our values. No, you can keep the value. The values is how you honor the old, but you have to build the new structure to bring in the new. You know, the generation we grew up under, and I'm not saying that this is wrong, but this is just the way it was. It was taught that, you know, the man of God got the vision, (laughs) and this was the word of God. And it was like, I am the bus driver and we're going somewhere. I got the vision. God told me the vision. So I am driving the bus. And if you would like to get on the bus, then you're welcome to. But if your vision is different than mine, I'm sorry, but you're not welcome on the bus. Okay. That is an old model. That is an old paradigm. And that is not going to work in this generation. I I can tell you that right now, it's not going to work. People don't like that because this is the deal. Do we need leadership in our life? Absolutely. Do we need people that, that we're submitting to, you know, absolutely. That's it's biblical, but at the same time, God is really breathing on what does this look like? And I I had mentioned this, we made that pivot into team ministry years ago because we were not going to see the change necessary unless we were willing not only to hear the other people's viewpoint and, and an opinion and how we should do things, but we had to be willing to take action, even if it wasn't what we wanted to do. We, we were willing to do that. And we felt like just the favor and the blessing of God all over that when we did that. I, I love what you said. You know, if, if we want to pick a parable, you know, the bus driver and getting on the bus, everybody goes the same direction. You know, that structure could have worked for, and it did work for that day. But now it's more like an airport where you have with technology, everybody can have their own airplane now. Yep. And they're, and it's, and, and we have a generation that is so connected world, worldwide, not just regional or national, but worldwide. That's true. And so it has to be more, the structure has to look more flexible, like an airport where we're at. And then you have a generation that wants to be sent out, right? We just talked to them. They, they, they can get the same preaching messages that happen every Sunday and hear some of the best communicators that we have of our day just by going to YouTube. That's true. So yep. why would they want to come to your church and listen to you when they actually want to take action? This is, I mean, we're even seeing it. I mean, I believe you're seeing that outcome right now, even in the protests. You have a younger generation that are activists because they want action. They're saying we want a cause. We want something bigger than something. We're willing to give our life to something bigger than ourselves. We don't want to sit. We don't want to be a consumer. We want to be a producer, right? We want to take action. And if you're in the place where you're like, 
Yeah, all that sounds great. And this is exactly <laughs> where I'm at in my business or my church. This is so what what are they looking for? What is this generation coming up looking for? I think like you said, one of them is a cause. Yeah. It is something to believe in that's beyond themselves yeah. and beyond ourselves. I think two other things is people want mentorship. They want to be discipled yes. and we're hearing that more and more and more. They really do want to learn from from someone. Yeah. They really do want to have leaders in their life. Yeah. I mean, we're hearing that. We're getting requests personally like, please, yeah. we need mentorship. And the other thing I think is community. I think that people want to do life with people. Yeah. They don't. I mean, I know that we, we have access online and that's great, but that is not a physical touch. Yeah. We need real tangible relationships where we can so literally feel and touch and be present with people in the room, right? And so I think people are craving that, especially with in light of quarantine and all that stuff, people are craving human interaction. Yeah. So I think those are three things I think right off the bat, if, if you're, if you're asking those questions is, you know, I think go all in on community mentorship and having a cause beyond yourself. Uh, I love that. And I think that's hundred percent because it really is what can actually close the gap generationally. And when I, when I think about this, I think about a Absalom, right? Mm. The story of Absalom. But before I talk about Absalom, I want to talk about the message because you said something a few minutes ago. Could it be not only it's our structure, but it's our message? 100%. Right? Like, I just talked about this this past Sunday. If you want to check it out on the Mission Facebook page, I, I had actually talked about this, really, at my personal story, being saved into the kingdom, but lost into religion. And, you know, the Great Commission was to go into all nations and make disciples. Our message, the way we've been interpreted, is making converts. And I think when you have converts, then you have consumerism, Right. We get them connected to become a consumer and it's a convert, but you know, convert build Christendom. Yep. They don't build kingdom mm. because a disciple and a convert are two different things, right? A convert will just change religion, but actually a disciple changes masters. Come on. Right. And, and a convert, you know, their posture is way different than actually building a disciple. And the disciple actually was the word learner. Right. So it's people who want to learn. They want mentors. They want education and a convert. They're just following what, what's been told to them. Right. Yep. And this is what Jesus came to establish the kingdom that build disciples. But in saying that, I started thinking about Absalom. Right. Here you have Absalom. Well, you see even this divide gap between his father, David. Right. Uh, David worked for a cause. But one of the things that he was not good at was actually fighting for the cause for his family because you know, you see Absalom, he gets upset because of his sister was taken advantage of and it was an unjust cause and he wanted his father to stand for that. You can read it. It's just a powerful story. But you see Absalom, it says he had a daughter, but he had three sons. And in biblical times, what they would do, you pass on legacy and inheritance to your sons, right? And theologians tell us that his sons, you know, he had three sons, but we never hear about them again. And it's not because they died. Theologians actually tell us that, you know, his fathering, there was a disconnection, right? And so in the end of his life, he couldn't pass on a legacy and an inheritance because of the disconnection between his sons. So he had to build a monument in his honor. And really what legacy is, is building is actually legacy comes down to bridging the gap that we can pass something on to the previous generation as fathers and mothers, because we raise up sons and daughters 
Because if not, all we'll do is build movements, become monuments. And we don't want to have a movement that becomes a monument that ends with us. Right. Jesus built generationally. God thinks generationally. So we have to get the mind of Christ right now. And that's why I love this conversation. That's why I'm so passionate. I could run around this room right now because I feel like this is the message of the hour. We have to bridge the actual gap between the gener- generational divide and we can't be late. We're always, many times in our Christianity, we always show up late to the party. <laughs> and we usually don't become an original. We actually copy what's already there. So how can we get on the forefront right now and not only build uh, uh, you know, with innovation, but build generationally that's drawing and connecting the hearts of generations together? Oh, man. So good. So, so. But I think one of the things that we can do, like you said, is have an awareness it's seeing the need of a generation, right? Like you just said, the community, the mentorship, and really activating their voice. Yeah. And and then going back to, you know, how do we do this on a practical level? I think reel it back in and really be willing to assess and evaluate, um, you know, your own sphere of influence, your yeah. own um, staff, your own, you know, if you're, you're a leader, um, and if, if you're just on a staff or you're, you're an employee, um, you know, I think it, it we need to start having conversations. Yeah. Conversations aren't always easy. I get that. Yeah. We get that. But we have to start talking to each other. We have to. Because if we're not willing to learn from each other, we're not going to move forward. And so we're good. not going to gain ground. So, you know, like I said earlier be willing to invite different generations into the d- decision-making uh, process of your organization. That's huge. And be willing to pivot. You know, flexibility is huge yeah. right now. And if you think you have something solid and this is it and it line by line and we're not moving from it, you're going to struggle, I really feel. COVID taught us that. Exactly. We've had to pivot. You know, one of the things you could do practically even in the family is one thing that we've been doing is inviting our children into our conversations, decision-making because we're also learning about their generation. We're learning from them, like not only their styles, but there's some of the things they want. I've talked about some previous episodes. It seems like there's a renaissance within their heart. So how do we build with them in mind? Not just even thinking about the generations, uh, you know, Z that's talked about so much, but what about their generation? This is something that we can begin to engage. And even as a church leader, I would encourage you to really engage the heart of your youth pastor and your children's pastor and invest in that. Don't just see it as their babysitting or that's just their ministry. Let's engage in the conversation at their hearts and really gauge what is going on in the ones that they're leading and I really do believe that we can begin to build this masterpiece that is on the master's heart. Come on. But um, it's about that time. <laughs> this conversation is so good. We have to do a follow-up on this, babe, because I'm just, oh, this is hitting home right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, but once again, guys, if you've enjoyed this episode, would you share this with a friend or family member? Also to make sure to actually check out season one and season two as it will deeply, deeply bless you and uh, bring you into the conversations that we have been having. So until next time, this is Matt Gonzalez. And this is Desiree Gonzalez. We are out. Be blessed.
We hope that you enjoyed today's episode of the Matt and Des Experience. This podcast exists to inspire and motivate you to transform the world around you. Continue the journey with Matt and Des Gonzalez by liking them on Facebook and checking out mattanddes.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast.